0: good evening everyone i am using my dulcet 222 a.m tones because it's a late night and i just saw a movie that was kind of affecting and kind of feels like you should only describe it at night because there's just something that gets lost during the day when it's movies of kind of gravitas and seriousness and also just kind of the eeriness of space and philosophical questions and you might be wondering, what kind of movie is that? Well, it was the 2019, I want to say classic, because it it affected me. I just took a long, hour-long walk just thinking about it. Ad Astra, uh, The Brad Pitt Project, directed by James Gray, who I never knew before this movie. And I am thoroughly impressed. And I'm going to just rip through his catalog uh, after this, because this was something special it was this calm meta thinking man's outer space philosophical exercise and it wasn't about the big reveal of you know are we alone uh or alien life or what can we discover in space or kind of the adventure of space it was more uh kind of an internal look at who we are as people and what kind of relationships we have with those closest to us and how kind of the human soul is kind of the most important uh thing to look for even in such a vastness like space hmm kind of choked up even thinking about it i think i think those are you know when you're like it's really late at night and you kind of feel everything's more important you're like oh man I'm meant for great things or, you know, Oh man, this thought I have right now is way more important than it's going to be in the morning. That's, I think I'm, that's what it's, that's what's happening right now, but I want to run with it because that is this kind of movie too, because it takes itself very seriously and I thoroughly enjoyed it because that's not normally, you know, space movies, action, shoot them up. Uh, give me the alien reveal, all that, you know, nice, that, 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 you know, comfort food. But this one just made you think. It's kind of in that vein of Arrival or Gattaca or 2001 A Space Odyssey, Contact, just movies that subvert the genre. And it's just this very quiet, eerie, beautiful, sprawling, just look into this one guy, uh, Major Roy McBride, played by Brad Pitt, played to perfection by Brad Pitt, by the way. He doesn't say much, uh, the script, kind of has this poetic tone to it with uh, him talking over the movie, you know, doing a voiceover and he probably doesn't have more than 100 lines of dialogue and it's just this profound kind of haiku poems about how he feels uh, during these different adventures during... Well, let me describe the plot. Sorry, I'm getting just mulled down in the philosophical. So, Major Roy McBride is you know an astronaut and the movie starts with him on a space tower and there's an electrical surge on that no one knew was going to occur that create that sprawls the space tower to explode and like dozens of uh, astronauts are falling from space to earth and just a crazy start starting scene i mean it's my god they're just spiraling down and he's just the calmest guy out of all of them uh, they joke later I and mean, they're serious but his pulse never goes above 80 and so he had the fortitude to kind of survive and fall to the ground and you learn later that his father played by tommy lee jones is clifford mcbride who's basically the michael jordan of uh, astronauts and he went up to uh around neptune with this group called the lima project And it's attempting to take pictures slash find alien life farther into off into space, kind of going to the farthest point we could and then taking pictures of planets and other solar systems around and see if we can find technology or alien life because resources on Earth are shrinking, you know, as they tend to do. And also, they don't tell you the time frame. It's just sometime in the future. But clearly, space travel has become kind of commonplace. I mean, there's, the moon is kind of a tourist attraction. We've colonized Mars a little bit. And it only took, I think, like 80 days uh, to get to Neptune. So, I mean, clearly it's not as hard as, as, you know, it would be today. And so the Lima station was active for 16 years. And everyone claims, and like, it seems like the station had been dead for the last 14 years. So it's been up there 30 years. So Royce thought his father has been uh, dead for 14 years, but he gets told by the military that it's possible that his father's alive and is the only one on the uh, on the uh, Lima Station, and is probably responsible for these electrical uh, surges on the planet and could possibly destroy the planet by accident. I think it's part of his antimatter uh, engine up there, and it's just creating way too much uh, resonance. So, Royce put it on a secret mission to go from the moon to Mars to send a message to his father to return home, and also that the that his father should blow up the space station and i'm not I'm not feeling this, but you know, let's see if we can fight through it. Maybe I'm too tired. I just felt like there's a lot of pauses, but i don't I don't know I think i got too con- i got too into the the Philosophical, and then I tried to dive into the plot, and doing both, it's a bouncing act. But so Brad Pitt is just quiet in this movie, and they just focus on his face a lot. And my God, you know, what a face. Man's chiseled out of marble, but he's just this kind of soldier, uh, keeps it all internal, man's man. And he clearly has very unresolved issues about his father just leaving, you know, when he was younger. And that he thought he's been dead for the last 14 years and just kind of unresolved uh, emotional connection or disconnection with uh, his father and the fact that he might be alive now, you know, just stirring up all these different feelings. So first of all, when he gets to the moon, Rory, uh, there's pirates on the moon, which is, you know, fantastic, very cool, but not like actual, you know, they're not, they do not ships and all. They're just like moon rovers. So they try to raid, uh, Roy's uh, convoy that's trying to get to the spaceship to Mars and everyone else dies. Everyone else gets shot or uh, blown up. And Roy, you know, with his pulse under 80 keeps his cool and is able to thwart off the uh, other moon pirates. Awesome term, by the way, moon pirates. (laughs) And so he gets to the space station and it's very cool. James Gray, all these action scenes they take place in like two, three minutes. They're just very quick. They're very well done. And they seem, very, I mean, the way he looks at space is very sepia-toned, eerie, creepy. There's almost kind of this organ music kind of wonderment in a, you know, in a kind of twisted way that he's looking at space, you know, the kind of the cold unforgivingness of it and the just expansiveness of it but also he focuses a lot on brad pitt's or roy mcbride's face and kind of almost counteracts all the uh coldness with the warmth of you know human reaction so i think there's a contrast for a reason and so roy gets on the ship to go to uh, mars with the crew and during that voyage uh they have to they have to look at a uh, SOS, uh, a rescue attempt from a ship that's uh, putting out a distress signal. And he doesn't want to go, but he decides to go. the captain decides to go anyways. And they go and it's a Norwegian experimental uh, vessel. And he finds the captain being beat to death and eaten by like an experiment monkey. I like there's a baboon in space just ripping this guy's face off and they show it from the back. So you're not sure what's happening. You just see the uh, spacesuit shaking and you're just think what the heck is going on? And then bam, there's the faceless dude because the monkeys ripped his, his stuff off and then it goes attacking Roy. And it's the weirdest. I mean, it, you could have asked me to put a thousand different uh, scenarios of what was making that body shake. It would have, never occurred to me that it was a baboon ripping his face off, but Roy escapes and you know, they get to, they get to Mars and you know, it seems like everything Roy does uh, there is kind of a issue or a almost detrimental chaotic problem. Like even when they try to land, I guess there's issues with landing on Mars because everything's with the electrical surges, it's just having issues. But he takes over the plane and, or the rocket and lands it you know, to perfection because he's the calmest guy on Earth, it seems like. And just kind of seems to compartmentalize his emotions and can react and put things in perspective to be panic-free when it matters most. And so on Mars, he sends the voice message to his father. And it's this very kind of cardboard message that they give him to say, And he, you know, he's doing it over and over again to no avail. And finally kind of frustrated and boiled over with all his emotions towards his father. He finally just gives him a heartfelt kind of update on his life from his, uh, from his heart. And you see kind of emotion leak out and it seems like his dad responded to that one, but they're not, they don't make it entirely clear, but then Roy is not allowed to go on the trip. Because it's interesting, uh, this whole movie, you put on this little uh, like pulse reading patch, and they ask you evaluation questions, and they tell you immediately if you're okay to go uh, on the next trip. And he usually, I mean, he passes with flying colors usually, but finally when he leaks out this kind of emotional dump to his uh, father, he's finally his pulse is racing enough that they're saying he's not fit for travel but he learns from uh the leader of the mars colony helen that apparently his father has been alive these last 14 years and the reason he's alive is because he killed the rest of the crew of the lima project because they wanted to go home after 16 years after they hadn't after they hadn't found anything and he thought the work was more important than that. So he killed everyone on board. It's a rough look. And, you know, you can see Roy's face. He's just heartbroken and disappointed and disheartened. You know, this his father has been brought up as this hero. And if someone's going to leave you, you know I mean? Like, especially your father, then he should have done it for a reason, you know, of merit of, you know, bettering the world or just being, being up to the task of being mythological and clearly he has not. And it's just, you can see in Roy's face, he just crushed and he decides he's going to go on the rocket. That's going to nuke the space station up there. He's going to sneak on board and he does. And when he sneaks on board, the crew tries to attack him, even though he doesn't want to kill or hurt any of them. He just wants to help them do their mission, but they've given their orders and, Again, another, like, wham-bam fight scene uh, in Zero Gravity that has to do with oxygen depletion, a knife, and a gun. And uh, James Gray, I don't know if he he's known for this, but, like, these three-minute action sequences that are just jaw-dropping, quick, brutal, and then it moves on. And fi- so now Roy's alone on this uh, spaceship, and he's going to find his father. And he goes, and you kind of you see kind of projections in his head. He's you see him talk thinking about his ex-wife in you know, kind of slow motion caption shots. There's this kind of Terrence Malick feel to the movie that, you know, there's a gravitas and you kind of are getting a look into his mind as he's, you know, a man alone. And he finally gets to the station and finds his father and you know his father he hasn't seen anybody in 30 years and murdered a bunch of people uh 14, 16 year, 14 years ago so clearly he's kind of lost his marbles but he's just kind of he's the disappointing god figure that kind of i think there's a lot of mythology and religion religious undertones in this film that the creators of or our heroes tend to not be you know, who we, we kind of post them up or stick them up to be. And I mean, Clifford is just brutally honest. He's like, I never really uh, thought about, I never thought about your mother or you, I didn't care that I left you. I'm here to do my work. And this is what I'm, this is my destiny. And I'm here to, I'm not leaving. And this is what I'm meant to do. And, you know, I mean, Roy's (laughs) travel, the entire length of the stratosphere uh, and killed people just to get to his father. He was hoping, you know, to be reunited, but it's weird. The way Brad Pitt kind of reacts to all this news, he takes it in and you can tell, you know, these are gut punches, but he's not, you know, he's not just broken down as a human being. He internalizes it and takes it in and kind of this, almost 1960s cowboy Clint Eastwood kind of stern reflection kind of way and it turns out that the reason that clifford is you know so just distraught is that there's nothing else in the uh, in the uh, in the universe that they found there's i mean beautiful planets wonderful unique interesting uh places where there could be life but there isn't and to him, us being alone is the most crushing thing because his destiny was to find alien life and to you know better mankind and when your dreams are crushed, where do you go and so even when Roy sets a nuclear weapon to blow up the uh, Lima station and for him and his father to leave while they're hooked together, uh, Clifford tries to escape while they're in space and he make he forces Roy to just let him kind of drift out into space because he can't go back. He never wanted to go back, and he just he belongs in space. And Roy obliges, and then Roy makes a pretty heroic venture back to the ship, kind of without his little uh, spacecraft that got destroyed on the way in. He personally, you know, in just his little spacesuit, goes through kind of a meteor shower and somehow makes it back to Earth and when he gets back to earth he kind of has he has this realization that yes we're alone in the universe but that's not a bad thing it's just it's you have to take comfort in the fact that we are the only sentient uh, beings that we've found so far and that personal interactions and personal love is kind of where you should focus your time and attention into rather than trying to always reach for the stars of kind of what's going to be the next fix technologically or scientifically, or even just to have your name in the history books. That's not as important as connecting with the people around you and appreciating kind of the uniqueness of existence and not trying, just because you're alone doesn't mean you're lonely. And it's just kind of a, beautiful sad message from a very quiet movie that doesn't really have parallels and I was very affected by it and that's why at two forty-five in the morning I just had to had to put this down so I can listen to it later and see see how uh my inflection points and how my emotions kind of change when I put things on in the evenings because I feel different. Maybe the movie just affected me that much, but I'm going to go through the James Gray catalog and see if this is a pattern or because he only made seven movies over 25 years and he seems like a very kind of artist, artist and you know, he bleeds for his movies and this one's no different. It clearly shows that there's blood on the page. So, all you space fans, and all you, all you people who are okay with a movie that doesn't really pay off in the traditional sense, but makes you think afterwards—you know—you have to take that long walk uh, outside the movie theater and contemplate, you know, what is real and what is existence. And I know that sounds rough, but every once in a while, you know what? You want to cleanse your soul and kind of think about that stuff. And that's why I watched this movie, and you should do. So, goodbye, friend.